Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 62 of Discussing Who, and we are talking lucky number 13 tonight. And if you've been away from the Internet, away from the news, away from Facebook, Twitter feeds, or anywhere else, uh, spoiler warning, because from henceforth, just be warned, we will be talking about the identity of the 13th Doctor. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. So before I go further, we've regenerated a little bit of ourselves <laughs> here. And in doing so, we've upgraded the Shackleford. And in doing so, we have Karen, our own Wonder Woman Shackleford. How are you? Hi. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Look, I have been saying since probably, I know at least episode 10, that Lee, you've got to get Karen on here and finally your own. So glad to have you with us. Thank you. Well, I guess, it, did it take a woman doctor to, to drag me on? <laughs> hey, whatever, for whatever, for however, I'm happy that you're here. Thanks. And unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to put it, we still have our uh, standby Shackleford, Lee Shackleford. <laughs> the old yeah, standard actually, is it will. I did not actually regenerate into Karen. I, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're both separate entities. Uh, well, well yeah. maybe. Wibbly maybe, wobbly, yeah, family whamly. We, we did see the Master and Missy together, so yeah, I guess. There you go. There you go. And as always is the impossible co-host himself. Uh, and I was about to say Lee Shackleford again. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, guys. How is everyone today? Good. 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 What about you? Doing great. Doing great, man. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been an interesting weekend. Yes, it has. <laughs> it was kind of fun following along uh, on Twitter and on Slack between the three of us and, you know, going back and forth. And uh, that was kind of fun because we've got it saved for uh, historical purposes of I was right I was right I know I know or, <laughs> yeah. so let's just get the cat out of the bag and take the hood off of the head so to speak nice, and yeah. um, we and now Kyle know Jones, by the way. oh and I'm Kyle Jones <laughs> and uh, just so if anybody is wondering that's who I am and I guess I'm so excited but um, yes we've got the 13th Doctor and it was revealed after the Wimbledon tennis match yesterday, but in a commercial. So before we say who and what the um, new doctor is, does anybody have any thoughts? And Karen, since you're um, the guest here tonight, any thoughts as to why they did not do a live versus doing a commercial uh, that had been pre-recorded of the um, reveal? No, you guys know more about that sort of thing than I do. Um, or have they done live ones in the past? Well, they did with Capaldi, and Lee, you may know more uh, than I do on this one. That's the first time we've ever had a live reveal, isn't it? I, I really don't know. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I got I got all my news on the internet, so I didn't uh, I didn't <laughs> see that as a didn't see that as a TV event. It just, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, they had they they had gone to make this this stylish little little film um, with the hooded figure, and uh, and I thought that was a great way of handling it. 
so yeah, it's much better than just pushing her out in front of the camera and saying, and here she is, you know. Yeah, and which is kind of the way they did with Capaldi was, yeah. you know, they just brought him out and then it was like, oh, it's Peter Capaldi and then there he is. Yeah, they said they may have regretted that ever since. They said, okay, next time. <laughs> so Clarence, what did you think? How did you like the reveal? I, know, I guess being in the age of the internet and um, everybody's online, so they kind of had their online versions of this clip queued up. So, I mean, I see the reasons why you want to just go to clip versus live. You know, live may be a little harder to distribute that quickly. So it makes sense in that aspect. But uh, I don't know how I feel about it being attached to Wimbledon. Um, I bet they saw probably their best numbers ever. Yeah, I think <laughs> for so. this match. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, that was interesting, but I, I still don't see why it was attached to that. I don't know. Um, I guess we have to research and see what it followed uh, in times past. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like the way uh, the doctor was introduced. I thought it was mysterious enough. And, you know, the hood had you on edge for those very few seconds. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. What about yourself? Um, you know, my first thought, and especially in the minutes of 30 minutes to an hour after just looking on Facebook, looking on Twitter, I almost wondered if they did that as a buffer to kind of buffer the negative, because there was, was going to be a negative, unfortunately, and there was some negative. So I wonder if they did that not with a live audience so that you could have a buffer. Perhaps. Uh, well, I mean, is it really going to be a buffer because you still have the Internet? True. <laughs> as soon as the Internet saw it, it was yeah. they were going to uh, rail or uh, confirm whichever uh, they so choose. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. And I mean, the impact of it being a woman is, is just so I think it's so awesome and magnificent, especially coming off uh, Wonder Woman and, you know, things of the last few years it's it's just i think it's time for it but I, i'm sure we're going to get into that <laughs> yeah so so let me just you know lay it out here and then you know i want to tie something into wonder woman and ask karen a question so laying it out here we now know the identity of the 13th doctor it is jody whitaker and jody has been in several things but she's probably most well-known, especially to people in the States, as uh, one of the lead characters of Broadchurch. And um, if you've watched Broadchurch, I'll say she'll play the, she played the mom. And Clarence, you're right now watching the very first episode, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. She's awesome in it, by the way. And that's, yeah. ju- that's just in you watching the first episode of the <laughs> yeah, first season. Yeah, yeah, just wait. Yeah. yeah. Beth Latimer. So, so, Karen, let me ask you, coming from your background and, you know, you've written about Wonder Woman, you've written about the movie, what are your initial thoughts of the reveal and of the choice for the 13th Doctor? Well, there, I don't know. There, for me personally, there must have been something mystical going on in the universe because for some reason I decided that I needed to like chain smoke Broadchurch last week (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you can ask Lee um, I I, I would not let him leave the TV set I kept saying one more one more it was was like that episode of Portlandia when they were on the the sofa watching Battlestar Galactica (laughs) one more Uh, so I I can't explain that Um, and so but uh, yeah that 
I, I love Broadchurch and uh, interesting to have David Tennant in Broadchurch and now um, to have Jodie Whittaker together. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the specific choice of the actress goes, um, I've just seen her in that one role, but she was so amazing in it, I'm sure. Um, we'll see different sides of her as the doctor. So let me ask you this. When you, when you say you just started Broadchurch, did you ju- did you, you binge the entire three series, three seasons, or have you, is that right? You've watched all of it. I've watched all of it that I have, which is there are only two um, seasons on Netflix. Got you. So, got you. Got yeah. you. Got you. Um, and I started watching it again. <laughs> so, and you know, I will say in the third season, her she still plays a role and a vital, I would say, a vital role. But the third season, she has more of a diminished role, and I can't help but wonder if some of that had to do with, you know, maybe planning out the, um, you know, becoming this next incarnation of the doctor who knows yeah i wonder if uh she knew anything about it early on or if she and david Tennant could have whispered conversations in the background <laughs> well her her interview today said that she uh um she's known for quite a while and it's been killing her to keep it a secret uh-huh. so yeah has anyone heard or read what the um code name she used with her husband <laughs> yeah. i'm assuming that's a yes right yes, they, re- they refer to the role as the Clooney. the Clooney, <laughs> so, yeah. because he's an icon so that yeah ah oh. so, yeah, so they <laughs> Yeah, uh, all all that the conversation was. Well, sure, her next role is going to be something iconic, so they just call it the Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So, it's beautiful. And you know, okay, so I, I'm I'm watching it yesterday, and I'm or you know I'm watching Twitter because I actually see who it is before I get to actually watch the clip. And you know, my first impressions were, wow, I can't believe they did it. B, I'm curious to see as if you know what the response is going to be, and then the third question I had was, "Ooh, I wonder what they're going to do." So, um, Clarence, what was your first <laughs> thought? Uh, I think I've already told you my first impression, and I'm kind of ashamed. <laughs> but uh, I think as we now have a woman doctor in this role, we have to try to shy away from some of the chauvinistic things that can be said. I mean, I don't think nothing I said was bad. I said, oh, she's hot, is what I said. Okay, I'll just get out there. <laughs> and and I, I think we're going to have to kind of gauge our responses to things because, you know, I said it, it honestly and not, you know, just that was just the first thing I thought, but by the same token, uh, it deserves a lot. She deserves a lot more respect than that to to have that be your first, the first thing that you think or say, because you know I I feel kind of like the sentiment or the conversation around her is going to very quickly go from, um, we don't want a woman doctor in this role, blah blah blah, and I feel like it's going to quickly move into male chauvinistic type of, um, internet things or just things in general uh, that foolish men say 
So well, are we that have... ship has sailed. <laughs> that, 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 that ship is well underway already. Oh. But I don't. I don't think uh, you know saying she's attractive. It, it's not like it was a Donald Trump moment with a <laughs> the uh, French president's Macron. wife. Yes. Um, I mean, just if it makes you feel any better, um, Clarence. You know, I have a soft spot for David Tennant too. Okay. <laughs> And, yeah, and you know, they did they, – they pulled a good one uh, yesterday of having him be sh- uh, showing up in the stands shortly before the, you know, match concludes, if I uh, really? read, tw- read Twitter correctly. Because that yeah, was why um, – I think it was Katie Manning who had tweeted, oh, I see David Tennant in the stands. Now, whether he had been there the whole time or not, all I know is right, right whenever I'm seeing – Clarence uh, say, oh, well, they're in their final set or whatever. And uh, she tweets, uh, David Tennant's in the stands. I'm like, oh, he's <laughs> going to be David Tennant again. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad it wasn't him. <laughs> but, I, I mean, just to get back to, like, the, the chauvinistic thing I'm, I was talking about, I mean, even um, I saw one post where somebody, I guess they try to do the Internet memes or whatever, and uh, on one panel, it had uh, Jody at the top and it said, uh, I'm the first female doctor. And then it was another panel. This other Doctor Who character, I'm not sure who it is. I might have to send a link to you guys. But it said the words, bleep, be, please. And I was like, come on, man. We 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 can't go in that direction. We just can't. And and it's just so very distasteful. And and. The role the actor deserves more than that, and at least let's see what's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, you, get, you know, you I'm, get points for you get points for fairness, I think. But yeah, <laughs> when I saw that, uh, when I saw the announcement come up, I was um, really happy because it seems like it's kind of like when Barack Obama was elected. Like, oh my God, we did yeah. it! We actually did something good. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I have to admit, it's it's. It gets me very um, irritated whenever I hear people talking about the sexism thing because, you know, I just want to say, okay, um, you know, all my life I've had male role models and I've been fine with that. I can can identify with the male role model, but it's just very strange to me that you get one – one female in there yeah. and it's all of a sudden it's not like she's she's not a person she's female you know um, yeah. that's, like that's not okay so, yeah. so go ahead no just say, i mean I, I don't get this we're ready to burn everything down now because it's a woman <laughs> it's just it's, it's just right. too much people let's it's 2017 let's let's step back and take a objective look at things and you know, this she wouldn't get this role if she wasn't already a good actor, a yeah. and very, very seasoned. So, so let's just take a step back, and you know, we've been getting all these complaints about how the show has gotten stale. It's not going in any new directions. It's retreads. We've seen that before. So you can't have it both ways. Either we're going to go into a new direction slightly. We're not. We're not turning completely around. We're just version a little bit differently. And we're going to try something a little bit new and see if that reinvigorates the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. go ahead. Oh, it, it seems to me like um, with the Wonder Woman and the, the female doctor, it it seems to me a little like um, there were a lot of difficult feelings about the American election. And, um, you know, 
well, a lot of us thought we were going to have the first female president and we didn't. Yeah. And maybe some of this at least makes us feel like, okay, well, maybe we don't lose every every contest that we're in. <laughs> good one. Very good. You, you, you know, uh, but we – go ahead. I'm sorry. I just I, – I, I wanted you to do some badge flashing right up front. I, I, that, that one of the reasons why we why you've been eager to get Karen on the show is because – uh, she's a, a, a social scientist who studies these these interactions between uh, fans and their fandom, and this is a this is a unique moment for this particular fan franchise. I mean, this this moment's never going to come again. No, because mm-hmm. this and, is the uh, first of a. No matter if there's a second female doctor, she's the first. Yeah, and that's yeah. nobody's ever going to be able to take that away from. And, and it's. It, I, I remember when we were talking about Wonder Woman that I said that I remember sitting in the theater feeling like I was a, a, a witness to history, because I could tell in the theater watching that film that this is a big tentpole blockbuster movie for for Warner Brothers, and it's really working. Holy wow, they've made a DC Universe movie yeah. that's actually great, and it's Wonder Woman, the film that they said for forty years they can't make. You know, and it's happening, and and that's exactly how I, I felt when I got the the Jodie Whittaker news. I said, "This is this is a momentous occasion." So I, 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 I that's why I was saying, "Hey, if we're going to talk about this, let's please get Karen in this conversation because um, uh, the the fan reaction to me that's what that's what this is all about." And 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 people who I would think would be sort of like minded are, are, are polarized. Okay, so here's here's my thought on that, and yeah. okay, so so I also have a question for Karen. But my thought on that is, with with um, social media and social media presence and the ability to get on social media and say things, whatever we want to say, and using the same scenario or same situation that we just referred to a moment ago with elections and stuff. We have a president who tweets randomly at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, whatever, you know, comes to his mind. We also have people who are Doctor Who fandom who tweet because they agree, disagree, but some of them do that per se to get attention. And and sometimes maybe getting attention is... Being against you, you may get more responses than saying, "Oh, you're destroying the franchise." Than saying, "Welcome, Thirteen Doctor." You know, so mm-hmm. so I have to wonder how many of that. Let's say there's ten thousand tweets that go out that are negative. I would love to know how many of those ten thousand are actually. 5,000 that were truly feeling that way and 5,000 that were, let me see how many responses I can get, per se, perhaps. But my question uh, that I want to pose to Karen is, with Wonder Woman, we've been talking about Wonder Woman, the core, I would say, of the character, even in the name of the title for which Diana has, is Wonder Woman, so if you said Christopher Pine has been cast as Wonder Woman, would that work <laughs> in the same way as Jodie Whittaker is now the Doctor? Or is that mm-hmm. different? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, frankly, I've barely gotten used to um, having some females accepted in roles. So the going backwards thing, <laughs> I haven't even... Uh, Going the other way, I haven't even thought of. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, 
really the way I feel about it is that when you have inequality, you're saying that there's only one type of person that's okay for us to identify with or get into. And, you know, it's been white, male, straight people. And, you know, Lee and I were watching um, an episode last night with uh, Bill. And I was thinking, that is so great that, you know, we have a black woman, we have um, a lesbian woman and or bisexual, I don't know. But um, so so they've already gone that far. And so now they're going to to go and get get the doctor uh, and have her be female but you know it's just as simple to me that a person is a person and what color they are doesn't matter and what gender they are doesn't matter and what their sexual orientation is doesn't matter it's not you know um i got the most sort of um teary-eyed um during the wonder woman um sort of opening when um when i saw that little boys were saying they wanted to be like wonder woman because It's always been that, you know, it's okay for females to kind of be like males. Like we can dress in suits like Annie Hall or, um, you know, kind of have masculine clothes. But that it's very taboo for um, males to imitate anything female. And um, so it's not that I I think Wonder Woman is a chance for for males to wear dresses or (laughs) anything like that. It's just that, you know can't we just agree that we're just all people and our religion, our gender, our sexual orientation is not, is not the point. I mean, what is the doctor, but sort of someone who defies um, categorization like that. I mean, we say he, because he's had male bodies, but um, you know, uh, we know that, that he changes identity and that they um, all change identities. By the way, Kyle, we have the uh, male version of Wonder Woman. It's called every other superhero franchise ever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but, yeah. but you know, uh, you know, I'm actually going to uh, say something nice about, and I'm not talking about Missy here, but I'm actually going to say something nice about the char- the Carol Danvers character in Marvel, who <laughs> is someone I don't like, but she has always, for many many years, gone by different other monikers like warbird binary she's been miss marvel but her original miss marvel character came from captain marvel in the marvel universe so now that she has taken on the role of captain marvel proper you know that is in a way going full circle is what karen was saying it's it's instead of she being a lesser version of Captain Marvel as Miss Marvel. Instead, she is now Captain Marvel. So it's she's equal to the male counter counterpart. If there had you know were still one. So yeah, I get that. It's a good point. And 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 you know we had our was it our third or fourth episode we talked about uh, changes in gender and in, in race for tenth. different characters. Tenth, tenth episode. Okay, tenth. it was a while back, <laughs> but. You know, uh, I I think one of the main points we made in that episode is, you know, it is okay to change a character as long as you stay true to that core of that character, um, whether it's gender, race or whatever. So, I mean, if any character, to Karen's point, if any character ever in the history of fandom was suited for this, I think it is the Doctor. And and we just, I think we just have to accept that as do, as Doctor Who fans, and it kind of gets to me because you know we think of the Doctor Who fandom as being 
uh, enlightened geeks or whatever. <laughs> and and at the first sign of something that some people can't get on board with, it's like, uh, let's bring out the pitchforks, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Well, it does. I think um, sometimes change like that scares people. Like they think that um, they're not going to be the ones in charge anymore. They're somehow losing something. And maybe if you have been in charge, you don't know what it's like to just always be on the sideline. Um, yeah. And it, it's not about winning or losing. We're not saying like all women from now on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. It's just people, you know. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. You know, it all made me think of the uh, – I remember seeing a little interview with Ruth Bader Ginsburg once with somebody asking her, how many women do you think need to be on the Supreme Court? And she said, nine. <laughs> and the interviewer was kind of taken aback, like, well, that's not right. And she said, well, then why is having always nine men right? <laughs> why were you astonished when I – you know, it's a great point. <laughs> but that's that, that's how we're culturally culturally loaded, you know, it's – yeah, another thing that kind of came to my mind, you know, when you think of a female doctor, uh, we went through this in Thin Ice when Bill went to the past as a black woman. Uh, how would those interactions uh, work? You know, mm-hmm. how can she tread through this this world when she's not really doesn't have the same respect that she does in her time? So. I think we could have some interesting stories when um, the new doctor goes in the past. Uh, those are going to be very seem like ha- seemingly hard to work. Um, so uh, that would be just that right there would be like a very interesting uh, scenario to see how they actually play that out in the story. You know, the doctor actually that answered that this this season. <laughs> Because he said, no, whatever you do when you walk in a room, if you, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically if you walk in the room and you walk in the room like you have a plan and you, you are in control, people are going to follow you. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I get that sentiment, but it's going to be a little hard when it's just mm-hmm. her <laughs> versus yeah. uh, Bill with the doctor, a male figure. So it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It should be interesting. Um, yeah. I'm ready for it. <laughs> it's sort of like when Wonder Woman um, had to put on the clothes of the time in the film, yeah. you know, that she yeah. couldn't just walk around however she wanted to in a pair of pants or, you know, whatever <laughs> so, she wanted to fight in. Yeah. How do you fight in this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I hadn't thought about that at all, Clarence. That's a that's a great observation. And if they don't if they don't acknowledge that in these scripts for for next year, then they've missed a giant opportunity. That's yeah. well. When you th- when you talk about things getting stale, this is if any time in Doctor Who fandom, maybe more. You know, the only other time I think you might have had this opportunity of doing something different with an entire series is when it came back in 2005 and you had all these advances in technology that you could do things with the story that you couldn't have done perhaps 20, you know, well, not 20 years ago, but, you know, whenever it left in 89. So, you know, yes, you were presented with opportunities in that form, but now you've got new ways of interacting with the Daleks. And I'm not saying she's going to be different or the doctor will be different new because it's a female playing the doctor, but I'm going back to what Clarence says. It's a new way of possibly 
looking at the role the same way that you may have with Capaldi because he was older you may have had, well, he can't maybe do the same stunts as Matt Smith could because he was 30 years younger, not because it's greater or, or less or whatever from, you know, older to younger, but you, we, you know, we heard Matheson say that he just wrote for the doctor and didn't try to, you know, uh, pin, you know pinpoint one certain doctor. It was just writing for the doctor. And I know I'm kind of... You know, just going left, right, and center there. But my whole point that I'm trying to make is they're just presented with an opportunity that I think to take and do something different. That's that's my point. So here's yeah. what. I, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. How how does that writing change? You know, um, it, it, are do they go into uh, when they do they go to sit down to write these stories with? it being a female in mind or do, do they just write for the doctor? Uh, mm-hmm. I would very much like to hear the writer's opinion on how they, their approach to how they actually write these stories. Now one would hope that it wouldn't be different, but you do have to take certain things into considerations. I mean, even if it was a man, if it was a black guy, you know, going back in time, same kind of issue. So, um, yeah, I would. I would. Man, if we could be a fly on the wall to, to kind of see their approach to these stories. You know, I can't help but think um, of. I don't know. I know Lee's familiar. I don't know how big of a Star Trek fan either of you guys is, but um, you know the symbiotes, like on Deep Space Nine, there was a Dax, and um, so the idea there was they had different bodies that came along, yeah. and there was this worm, the symbiote that got put into the host body, and so. Dax um, was like the consciousness and different bodies carried the Dax symbiote. And so one of the things, and by the way, my favorite um, captain on Star Trek is actually Avery Brooks's character. And (laughs) um, I just think he's, he was fantastic in that, but um, you know, he was friends with, with Dax when he was a man named Curzon. And then he was friends with Dax still when he was, a woman named Jadzia and um, you know they handled that interestingly because you could obviously see that it was a man or a woman because the body changed but the point was he was still the same person he sort of had the experiences uh-huh. of the body and the experiences of the the worm the symbiote yeah. um, here like the body is always changing over the years to you know different actors um, but it's supposed to be like the identical consciousness they don't sort of take on any of the the characteristics of the body but anyway i just bring that up because i keep thinking about that that um um the body shifts but the consciousness stays the same and that um fans have understood that in the past and now they're just going to have to understand that that's the same consciousness but now it just has a female body yeah that that is such an excellent analogy uh Jack Zia Dax or old man, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Old man. Yeah. yeah, just just that dynamic you just mentioned, and you know, later on in the series, she goes the goes on goes on to marry Worf, and mm-hmm. you know, they have a couple of issues around her, you know, formerly being a man and things like that. So it's it's it's, I I think in the world of Doctor Who, I just think it's time, and people need to free their minds and be a little more open to to this sci-fi epic that is a guy or a woman that is changing each every few years and and, and morphing into something different but the same i think if anyone us is 
is seeing this character from classic who until now should be open to these type of things. So here's what I would like to do. I'm curious to hear if Karen has any questions for us from her perspective that Lee brought up of this is something that you study that you're, you know, passionate about. I'm curious, you know, what were your initial thoughts when Lee said, okay, you know, you want to do this with us? You want to come on? Did you have any questions? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but did you have any questions of like, okay, I need to ask them this? Well, I am curious because you guys um, have your your finger in the pulse of the the fandom. Um, And I know, like you were saying earlier, Kyle, you can't really know for sure what people's intentions were when they post. Part of it could be just creating controversy to get attention. But um, um, do you have any sense of of the general um, feelings about it? Is it a complete uproar? Is it is it kind of mostly positive? Um, you know what from 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 what I've read, I think I would say the abundance you know, I can't say that I've not seen anything that did not have like on Facebook a frowny face or uh you know, a, a negative remark on Twitter or whatever. But for every one of those I saw maybe two or three, you know, oh it's about time or you know, oh great and you know, Doctor Who actors left, right and center you know, or tweeting or Facebooking or whatever saying, you know, congratulations and, you know, way to go. And there's a video with Alex Kingston finding out she's at a Doctor Who convention and she is on stage doing a panel. And someone, you know, yells out of the audience, I think, you know, they've just named the 13th Doctor. So we see her on uh, camera being recorded and her immediate response and was like, uh, you know, that was really, really cool. But Mm -hmm. my favorite response that I've seen actually comes from Colin Baker, the sixth doctor. (laughs) And uh, Lee, I think you've read it. So would you like to share? (laughs) Well, his character famously said, uh, I think in his his second episode, I'm the doctor, whether you like it or not. (laughs) So he he had (laughs) tweeted, well, she's the doctor, whether you like it or not. Right. But, but he, he tweeted a lot about uh, about the, the announcement. He he just says he's over the moon about it, particularly as a father of daughters. And and that's that brought a tear to my eye because I thought, yeah, exactly. He understands how important this is to his daughters. Yeah, that we need role models. Need somebody to look up to. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, I think uh, Karen. Back to your question, I think. Um, it's part of what's called the life, lifestyle, not lifestyle, the life cycle or the acceptance cycle of the Doctor Who fandom of a new and uh, replacement doctor. And it goes mm-hmm. from, you know, bring me back or something to the effect of, I don't want the other one to go. I hate this new doctor. I kind of like this new doctor. Oh, I love this new doctor. Please don't leave now, doctor. So, um, you know, regardless of who it is, I remember when Matt Smith was uh, cast, you know, I mean, I really liked Tennant. And when Matt Smith was um, cast and even into that first episode, I was saying to myself, I just I just don't know if I can like this. I just don't know if I'll like this. And then, you know, I quote Matt Smith more than I quote David Tennant now. (laughs) So. You know, I think some of that, to answer your question, just goes into this whole circular thing that Doctor Who fandom goes through. But I'm curious to Lee, you've been a fan longer than I have. So, what do you think? 
Um, I, I think I missed the question in there. What, what do I? Uh, so about a Doctor Who, uh, what, the response, how are you gauging the fandom response? Is oh, it typical oh. or? I, I, Karen and I have been talking about this a lot because I, since, she, since she needs to write about this, we're trying to find you know, all the, the pithy quotes that we can. So she's, she's, she's trying to find a, a Twitter aggregator that will allow us to just <laughs> look, look for specific terms or something. But what I've been seeing, um, like in my social media feeds is, is all is overwhelmingly positive, but I know that reflects the kinds of people who are my Facebook friends. Ah, good point. Uh, so that's what's happening. I, I'm just, I'm looking at the LA times uh, article about this right now. And they're, they're mentioning that, uh, when the BBC posted the the video, the, the the reveal video on their website, one of the first comments they got was, "This last season's blatant SJW propaganda has caused me to stop watching Doctor Who, and now they're <laughs> doubling down, trying to score more PC points by removing one of the few great male role models on TV. One of the few. <laughs> yeah. I repeat for emphasis: You've wow. lost a paying fan, and by the looks of it, about half of your fan base. Good job, BBC." Well, you know, it, it, I just have to say about that that um, that's I do think it's the nature of social media mostly. I mean, I don't care what video you have on YouTube. There's somebody like laying down the f word. It's like you could yeah. put a pony is in puppies up there, and somebody <laughs> would say something bad about what it. So is this? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of people, and and this goes out of. Uh, posting, I would say, literally out of ignorance. And, and the reason I say that is a lot of people was, w- would be like, F you, Moffat, you know, you've ruined Doctor Who forever. Moffat did not choose the yeah. new Doctor. Now they can't say that. <laughs> you know, but, so, that's the, so that goes into the whole thing of you're just wanting to say something for the purpose of saying. Um, now, I have looked at a lot of the um, other Doctor Who podcasts uh, that I uh, follow on Facebook, and I would say I have not seen any of them that didn't say welcome, you know, Jody Whitaker, uh, you know, good luck, Jody Whitaker. I did see there was one on Twitter that said um, something to the effect contemplating my life post Doctor Who. Uh, I'm not going to even mention who that is, but uh, the whole yeah. point being, you know. That's his prerogative or her prerogative, their prerogative, um, if that's the way they want to be. But we may be talking two years from now saying, thank you so much, Jody Whitaker. You're the best doctor that we've ever had. Well, yeah, it it seems like the things I've been hearing really is there are a few podcasts I listen to and I won't really name the podcast. But, you know, prior to the announcement, Seems like every one of the hosts said, I do not want a female doctor. You know, mm-hmm. there, there may have been a few that were open to it, but seems like overwhelmingly most of them were starkly against it. And again, like Lee just mentioned, I think it's a testament to the fan base because even though they may have been against it initially, I don't know why. I guess they had various reasons. It just seems like when the announcement was made, most if not all of them were pretty much welcoming to the idea and you know they were like let's wait and see let's you know see if this new showrunner comes in and give us something uh memorable and fantastic and they were very much open to the possibilities well you know for for me another question that i have for you guys is just that 
I, uh, I talked to Kyle a long time ago and I asked him um, the thing that I had wondered about Doctor Who fans, which is that the, the person you're really attached to is always going away. And isn't that really difficult for Doctor Who fans? And you were talking about the whole um, evolution of, you know, kind of feeling sad about it then getting used to it. And But that's that's a normal loss, you know, kind of psychology there. Um, you don't want to let go of what you know. You don't know what you're going to feel like when it changes. So, um, it, yeah, I just wondered more about that in general, just that isn't it always really hard knowing that it's it's like as soon as it begins, it's the countdown to the end. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But isn't that, you know, going back to life, I mean, that's that's just, you know, you get a new job. And at one point, whatever that job may be, you're, every day you go to work, and not being somber, but every day you go to work, you're one step closer to your last day of employment there. Or you move into a new house. I mean, everything is a progression to to an end, whether that ultimate. So, So maybe without knowing it, Doctor Who is a coping mechanism to help people. And maybe that's that's a subconscious thing that people never even realize. And one of the reasons that it has the longevity that it does is that it subconsciously helps you go through the, um, you know, meeting new people and saying goodbye to people. Because let's say, look at Tom Baker. He was there for eight years. But in that eight years, you had... Two Romanas, a K nine, a Adric, a um, you know Sarah Sutton's character Nissa. You had Sarah Jane. You had Tegan. Le- you had Leela. You know, so you had all of these people coming and going, even while he was you know there. And it begins with him leaving unit and leaving the brigadier. So you know, just in that. So just when you have the doctor knowing that the doctor's going to change. You know, you've had Clara, and you've had Bill, and you've had Nordle, and you've had, you know, Rose, and you had, you know, so you have all these other people who come and go along with it. And maybe it's just a huge, big analogy of the road everybody travels as they progress and change themselves. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there. And, you know, I think usually people resist it, like we're saying some may resist this change, but... Yeah, I think we all wonder, you know, we have we have our kids, we have our spouse, our girlfriend, boyfriend, what what have you, and then, you know, we think we can't live without that person. We we can't possibly go on without them, but that that we lose people all the time and and the only choice we have is to keep going. So, yeah, maybe um maybe it does help people realize that they can let go and then find someone to care about again. And do it in a way that is an escapism, you know, that you can Mm – because, okay, so let's go back to the – I don't think it was the last episode. It was the episode before that. You know, I got choked up talking about the Bill moment where she's walking through, you know, seeing – and this was not, you know, totally not expecting, but I knew, you know, that that it made me sad or it made – you know, it it triggered an emotion. And and I think that's some of the best things that any – movie any tv uh story can do like the the uh moment where i think lee uh had similar emotions than i did in the wonder woman movie where you know you've got the battlefield scene and 
you know, anything that can provoke or invoke or create uh, that type of response is, you know, I think powerful. But on the flip of that, I don't see just because we have Jodie Whittaker now that that's going to change in Doctor Who. And that's not because at the end of the day, I was picturing coming home, uh, you know, just trying to imagine scenes that she might be in. And I was thinking, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm waiting for that scene where she's inevitably going to say, I am the doctor. And, it, <laughs> and, and that moment when she says that, it doesn't matter that she's female or that she's not male or whatever you want to put label on she is the doctor and and when she has that scene whether it's in the first episode or christmas or whatever she's going to be the doctor and i think that's just what's going to happen well they'll probably have fun with it just like they did with christopher eccleston discovering his ears you know yes he might be quite surprised that he's in a woman's body (laughs) well you know even with matt smith uh you know he had the he had the scene where he's feeling of his hair and it's long and he goes you know i'm a girl no no i'm not a girl (laughs) and i'm still not ginger (laughs) (laughs) yeah um uh Jody was uh, was red haired in Broadchurch, so they could have yeah. gone for a, for a double there. Could have gone for a twofer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think her look is settled by any means, so no, you know, there's still time. I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason for the the, the, the hooded cloak thing that uh, is the, all that we've seen of her so so far. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I will say still- this. I will say this about uh, the female casting. You know, no offense to Jodie Whittaker. But I did want it to be so that this face could have redemption. I did want it to be Michelle Gomez. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, pass, I, man. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, you remember I wanted it to be the uh, the, the lady who plays the villain on uh, class. So. Yeah, but, that's uh, who I wanted to be. Too. Mrs. Quill. Awesome. And you know when she first Mrs. Quill, right? Uh, when she first took off the hood. Because I had just watched Broadchurch actually the day before and finished uh, season three. And whenever she took off the uh, hood, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, her because she had the dark brownish red hair in uh, Broadchurch. And then she's (laughs) blonde here. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, that is her. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this Lee had cool. told me that it was going to be enough, that, that, not that it was going to be, but that there was speculation that another one of the actresses from Broadchurch may have been chosen to be the doctor. Yes, Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that she Tim's played a partner. A, yeah, that's the, the partner. Yeah. yeah, the, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. That would have been interesting. <laughs> and she played a despicable character in Broadchurch, so. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just think, just from now, if it had have been Olivia Coleman, I, you know, I've only seen her in Broadchurch, so I'm, I don't know what else she's been in. But if I had to choose between Whitaker and Coleman as the choice that um, Chibnall went with, I would go with, um, you know, the Whitaker, you know, hands down, because oh, I just think yeah. she had more of a. She presented more of a range, I think, in Broadchurch than did um, Coleman. Yeah. And the script 
parents are more, more of a chance to, but yeah. But yeah, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm having no trouble with this whatsoever is that I just uh, have going on this journey with Jodie Whittaker as, uh, as uh, Beth Latimer. Uh, there's fire, there's fire in her, <laughs> you know, I have no trouble depicting her as being uh, the, the hero of an action adventure series. My goodness, you know, um, and that's the character. I guess this is getting back to what you were saying earlier too, Kyle, that, that, that the, that her character on Broadchurch is the is the character with whom I um, most wholly identified. That that's the character I was you know was transporting to when when watching the series. Um, for There's, a lot of personal reasons we didn't get into, but I just I was just completely engaged. I feel like I've been on a journey with her. That that face and that body, I know her. You know, I, even I, though she's I don't know Jodie Whittaker, but you know. So, so now I'm going to get to take another ride with her. I, All right. So let me ask Clarence. And this I can't is, wait. you know, I think this is this is un, unique in the fact of you just started Broad Church right now today, Clarence. So, yes. just in the few forty minutes or so that you've watched, what was your initial? I mean, I know you knew who she was, and you knew she's now the Doctor. But but even with knowing that, what was your feel of the portrayal of the you know of what she portrayed? Not you know not her as an actress or an actor or whatever, but just you know what was your initial impression? Oh, well, it's kind of hard when you said not as an actor <laughs> because that that is kind of what impressed me most because in that first episode, spoilers, Brawl Church episode one, the thing that happens with her son, we got to see a wide range of emotion from her. And I don't know if that continues throughout the season, the series, but, but, but that moment alone, you know, I just wanted to see how good she was as an actor, not knowing anything about her. And what I saw in that ep- in this first part of the episode really let me know that we're going to be okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, uh, what I think of I think of Bill and how expressive and emotional and relatable Bill was. Of course, that's not really the Doctor's mo. But knowing that we have an actor with that, those capabilities behind the Doctor uh, really really um, makes me excited. So, Karen, let me ask you: You just binged Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what was your impression of the character and uh, her portrayal? Just not knowing going in that th- this is about to be the next doctor. What was your thoughts? Well, I just felt like she's one of those actors who you just believe that she is the character that she's portraying. Like she lives somewhere in England and this has happened to her. <laughs> and um, so, you know, she completely sold me on that. But um, on a funny note, I guess I, I wrote this book about Mad Men, and so I've been watching John Hamm for whatever it was, eight seasons, be <laughs> this drunk, you know, lecherous, just miserable alcoholic. And um, I saw him, John Hamm, on a on John Stewart, I think, after that, and he was laughing, and I and I just thought, thank God, John, you know, thank God, John Hamm's having a good time now because it's like <laughs> he spent eight years being a miserable alcoholic, and so I guess I'm. After what happened to Jodie Whittaker and her character on Broadchurch, I'm thinking, thank goodness she's going to get to have some fun because the doctor is playful <laughs> and, you yeah. know, um, so it's going to be fun to to watch her as a as that playful character. 
So what did you have any other questions uh, that you wanted to ask? Hmm. Let me think. Doctor Who experts on the line. What do I need to ask you? At least um, two of us, anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee and uh, Clarence well, <laughs> are like the ultimate uh, in Doctor Who. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Well, I I, I got to uh, be beside Lee as he saw all the Doctor Who costumes in uh, in um, the Doctor Who experience in Wales. That was, and he touched them and everything. <laughs> um, d- d- despite all the signs that said "Do not touch." <laughs> How many tears were shed? That's what I want to know. Oh my golly. I, I, <laughs> You know, just seeing Tom Baker's scarf hanging there on a mannequin is sort of like, oh my, this is scarf. It was a great collection. Um, Oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought thinking about Lee looking at the the Doctor Who costumes. But, um, you know, okay, I'm going to make an observation and see see what you think of this. So, you know, I study how how, uh, audience members get lost in the world of a story and how we connect to characters and what that does does for us um and so what i was thinking also about this transformation is that it's really not a big leap because i know i felt for instance that when i was watching um doctor who when amy pond was um, a central character i felt like she was such a strong character it was almost as if she she were the doctor i mean he she just yeah. felt so front and center to me that you know having had these companions that it doesn't seem like a big deal which one of them was female and which one of them was male uh, i mean i understand they're they're different characters but what do you guys think about that i mean don't you think people are used to um getting attached to the companions as well Oh, absolutely. Look at Clarence and his attachment to Clara. And so, and in the same vein, my attachment to, and Lee's attachment to Sarah Jane versus, um, you know, I, you know, really like River. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, you, uh, in an episode not too long ago, we were reading, um, I think we were all reading like off the TARDIS wiki, and we were reading a, a, a section of a script, an, an unproduced script. Mm-hmm. And it referred, and it referred to the doctor's companion Felicity. Right, right. And I got curious about that, and went went looking further around the internet about that. I didn't know this, that uh, in in the, the 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 writer's guide for for Doctor Who in the in the seventies and eighties, uh, Felicity is like a code word. We don't oh. know who we don't know who the companion's going to be, so just call her Felicity. Ah, wow. Okay. <laughs> so 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 that was the attitude. It doesn't matter. Just give lines to Felicity, and you can tell that in some of the writing. That I mean, you can look at some of the episode, and you could say, they, "That's not a character. She's just there to say, what do you think now, Doctor?'" You know? <laughs> and, and clearly, when when the series gets rebooted, you know, that's something that Russell T. Davies said. Okay, we're through with Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? From now on, we're going to take these people seriously. So all of his his female companions, I think, have have been these extraordinary women who are extraordinary in, in some way or the other, and. Yeah, which I just think it's gets back to the point. We've been having these strong women all along. Um, why the freak out about <laughs> her actually being the doctor? You know, it's it's why I love the episode of Flatline because uh, because Clara is briefly the doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. which which kind of uh, makes me think of the dynamic of what if they kind of flip it to since okay since we have a female doctor now, 
is the companion going to be male or female? I mean, how will they play that? And you know, especially like in New Who, it's never really just been a male companion. It's always been a female. Right. So what do, what do, what do you guys think of, of possibly having a, a male full-time companion? I was thinking about that today. This is going to be that right. (laughs) I was thinking about this today. This is going to be the joke from uh, Ghostbusters is that now (laughs) she's going to have a companion who is this really cute young guy. And people are going to say, hey, that's stupid. He's just there to be pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Now you know what it's like. (laughs) So here's what I tell you. Here's what I think they're going to do. We're going to have another uh, Amy and Rory team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I see that as likely too. Yeah. Yeah, and and in that way, it, that that takes care of the of the section of fandom that says, well, now the uh, doctor's a woman, so the companion has to be a male. So that'll take care of you know that that section. But then the the ones that say, oh well, you know, it's always been traditionally a female companion for the most part. The doctor just so happened to be played by a woman. Now it doesn't matter. Still going to have that. So you'll so you'll probably have two. Who who knows? That's that's my, my that's my guess. Well, it was also uh, you know I've kind of felt like Mickey was just as much of a companion. Um, True. Yeah. So we're used to having him around too. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, it's also if you look at the uh, Back to Wonder Woman, if you look at how they kind of turned that whole superhero. Um, cliche of the damsel in distress on its head when when we had um captain kurt was his real name steve trevor yeah how they kind of made him the love interest and he was they they flipped it on his head and and i think they did it in such a brilliant way because i mean the thing about wonder woman that got me is and and really made me just love the character and I think, Cal, you told me this was a movie invention of how smart she was. was that wasn't in the comic books, really. But <laughs> Wonder I, I Woman? Just, yeah. No, no, no. She was. Oh, she was. Smart. No, it was the flying. Well, no, she wasn't able to fly at first. Well, I was I was just so impressed how she had book knowledge. It's real. She just had a bit of naivety just because she's been on this island her whole life. But as far as knowledge and knowing things... She was the smartest person in the room, by far, probably. But it was it was just awesome how they flipped that whole thing on his head. And um, we might see something similar. I'm pretty sure in in um, in the dynamics of Doctor Who, to where the 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 companion is now a male, and you know he walks in the TARDIS and and uh, is bigger on the inside. You know, I, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I actually have a question for my husband. You know, because you what, what, you what, write what? you write scripts and uh, and plays, and you know you teach people how to write um, screenplays and plays. And um, wouldn't uh, it seems to me like you would say in this situation that um, the companion has always been someone for the for the fans to identify with because we don't have superpowers, and how would we feel if you know all of a sudden there was a, this guy who said he could travel in time and space? So. Can you talk a little bit about that, about creating someone that we can we can feel like is us in that situation? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, the, the, the function of the companion has always been to be our avatar and our entry point in the story. Uh, so, yeah, they've got the Chris Chibnall must be thinking uh, very long and hard about that dynamic right now. Who, who's. 
because because this choice I think represents a paradigm shift about their understanding of who their audience is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but for for but but for anybody that might not get make sense, if you don't mind, elaborate. Um, <laughs> I relate this to my own experience of, of being around uh, the uh, the fandom of uh, Sherlock Holmes for you know uh, so much of my adult life, and it has always been a boys' club. But for a long time, the Baker Street Irregulars was literally a boys' club. Women were forbidden, you know the tree house and they pull the ladder up after them, you know? And, uh, and then I went to, uh, this, uh, was invited to this uh, convention in, uh, Seattle, the event called Sherlock Seattle. And I was one of the few males there. There were hundreds and hundreds of women who were very, you know, passionate about Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and their entry point had been the BBC series with Benedict Cumberbatch. So a lot of that was adoration of Benedict but it had driven them all back to the canon to go back and read the original 60 stories of Arthur Conan Doyle. And they had fallen in love with that. So the fandom is now women. Poof. But there's also, um, you told me, a lot of lesbian women fans. So it wasn't necessarily oh, yeah. so much that they were no, no. sort of was, in love with It was Benedict. not all about Benedict, no. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, for a lot of them, what they were in love with was the relationship between Sherlock and John. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, and so their interest in that relationship was was the that's the franchise now. That's what they're so interested in. And there are in are, you know they're, they're then endlessly writing fan fiction and drawing cute pictures of the two of them together. And and John and Sherlock always very cuddly, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I think something like that has happened with Doctor Who. That I, I think the fandom has been little boys, and I think now it is young women. And um, like like us, and uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that somebody has has sensed a demographic change somewhere along the way and said, you know, this is dumb. We're, we've got a franchise here that's really the fans are, are female, and, and you know, there there isn't anybody in the franchise who really reflects their aspiration. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good point. All right, so, so so let me ask you a question, Lee, and um, because we've got a. You know, let's take Sherlock Holmes. And, you know, we've seen various... Look at Disney. Um, Disney once did Sherlock Holmes as a mouse. And to quote someone, a very wise person, I think, once said, (laughs) if Sherlock... If I'm quoting this wise person correctly, this person said, if Sherlock could be a mouse, why couldn't Sherlock be a woman? So would you... Do you think that Sherlock might could have ever been... A womanly? <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, a leading question there, sir. <laughs> exactly. No, as soon as we, and of course that was Karen, and, and our response was was to the the web series pilot Herlock, and, and we thought we were being, I thought I was being clever, you know, to to create a a story that was going to be gender flipped Holmes and Watson, and then when we did the premiere, we were on a, a, a at a convention where we were one of two groups showing our web series pilot with, you know, where Holmes and Watson are, are women and found out that there were two others. Wow. They were all in production at the same time. There were four independent films being made in which uh, Holmes and Watson were women. Um, yeah, which to me, that just says it's time. But, you know, one one thing that I wouldn't want to have happen is that I don't think any gender or race or, or sexual orientation corners the market on anything. I mean, we can all love Sherlock Holmes. We can all love the doctor. 
Um, it's not to say, guys, go away from Doctor Who because it's all the ladies. You know, it's you know, I, I, I um, did a paper last summer about um, Anita Sarkeesian, who you may know um, does a does a video blog called Feminist Frequency, and she um, she gets a lot of um, aggressive responses because she says, um, "Can we?" Can we depict women in video games, um, you know, just uh, a little less sexist in a little less less sexist manner? And she, I mean, I did a content analysis of the things that people say to her on Twitter, and they are pretty grim. Um, a lot of threats and and violent things. Yeah, yeah I think and, vile and I, is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pe- people say drink bleach a lot yeah. to her, um, yeah. but uh, you know, I think part of that comes from feeling like someone wants to take over your territory so you get very territorial but um and part of it is probably just the the fact that we just seem to be our worst sometimes on the internet you know the just the most like i was saying innocuous video and someone's got to go off on you know just like a violent terror about it which which you would not do in person um where you were responsible for what you said and and all of that but um yeah i wouldn't want it to to flip the other way like like i'm saying it's not a contest it's not oh once the women are here we're taking over and you, you know it's just yeah. you know let's just be egalitarian let's just be open to whoever oh that's a good way to say it let's you know i um when we were talking about the internet and um i think i've found on the internet the best um Meme, I, I think this is what you call this, uh, that could possibly sum it all up. And it's a picture of Strax. Uh, and I'm assuming everybody knows who Strax is. <laughs> yep. And it says at the top, cease your infernal prattling. And at the bottom it says, you can clearly see that the new doctor is a boy. Oh, that's perfect. That's, that's so nice. Yeah, Strax doesn't get it. I so um, well considering the fact uh, that he always said that um, River had space hairs, as he called it, um, the space <laughs> hair. Um, so, does anybody have anything else that they would like to add to the welcome thirteenth uh, Doctor discussion? Christmas can't get here soon enough. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait the Christmas, man. And it'll be a three-doctor story. It will. And, and you know, um, I think now that we, we, we know what the, what the setup for that is, um, again, spoilers for people who haven't seen the end of uh, uh, this last season, but um, the doctor's resisting change. He's coming across his first incarnation, who's also resisting change. Now we know that that's being set up not only to address that issue for that character, but we're also talking oh, to the audience. Oh, man. Right? Wow. <laughs> change change is inevitable. Change is good. And I think that's what the Christmas story is going to be about. Change, change is good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So, Clarence, do you have anything... In closing, uh, uh, nothing. Just just excited. Um, again, what Lee said: Christmas can't get here soon enough. And yeah, new adventures, man. I'm ready. All right. So, uh, last but definitely not least, Karen. What about you? Well, I just want to say thank you for remembering my mouse quote. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, that really stuck. I mean, seriously, because that because if they can put a mouse as and seriously, if they can put a mouse as uh, Sherlock Holmes, 
why couldn't it be a woman? Yeah. And, right. I mean, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, a story is supposed to be about stretching our imagination. So, I mean, we, we've had every possible creature in Doctor Who, right? The woman who's just a skin stretched, <laughs> stretched out on the canvas. <laughs> yeah, like, so, you know, anything is possible, and that's a good thing. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, yes. All right. Well, I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. Um, and for cl- uh, and I have not forgotten about our Wonder Woman discussion. I have been uh, extremely busy at work lately, and uh, but we will be having that hopefully soon. So, uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you, because this is kind of like a present here because I've been trying to get you on since episode ten. So, <laughs> well, I am. Happy to be here, and I'm. I'm really not trying to run away. I, I also am like, oh my gosh, I have a book that's due on December first, <laughs> and everything else. But you got to stop and have some fun too. Yes, 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 yes. So thank you, and uh, of course, um, Clarence and Lee, as always, thank you. So anybody that is listening, uh, if you want to find out more about what Lee is on, Lee, uh, would you like to tell them about the? Relativity podcast that is available on Patreon as well? No. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you just did. That was beautiful. And, and for folks who are, are, are subscribing on iTunes right now to Relativity, and, uh, you know, just go to relativitypodcast.com and push the buttons, you know, the iTunes button. Um, you, you're, you, if you're in the part of the, the subscription stream right now, you're getting the rare treat of hearing a, a, a show that isn't this show, but still has my voice, and if you listen fast, Kyle Jones, <laughs> Clarence Brown. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in yes. fact, saying woohoo. <laughs> and Clarence, um, anywhere else that you might could be found? Yeah, once again, we're always at techpedition.com, me and my brother. Uh, we should be having some Game of Thrones coverage coming up soon. So, yeah, can't wait for that. And Lee and I can also be found on Doctor Who Podshock. And it looks like we will be recording uh, again soon. We've had some little hiatuses here and there, but I think we will be recording a season wrap-up with um, the entire Podshock crew hopefully soon. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Can't wait for that. And uh, in the meantime, thanks, everyone, for listening and for spending some time with us. Send us your feedback and let us know what you think of the 13th Doctor, or the choice of the 13th Doctor. You can find out in the show notes how to do that. So, again, thank you, everyone, for being on, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices. Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. 
And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.